0: Happy Mother's Day. I want to say it from my heart to all the moms, the grandmothers, anyone who's played that role, we, can we agree that mothers are underappreciated? Does anyone sense that mothers are underappreciated? We're going to take a minute right now to celebrate the mothers. Before we do that, I want you to think and think about your mom, and I want you to think about from delivery and diapers all the way to helping you make decisions later in life, I want you to think through the sacrifices, the love, the kindness, the care, the listening, the prayers. Just continue to think about your mom right now and what she's brought into your life. And if it isn't mom, because some moms don't bring that fullness, who else was it that God brought into your life to play that role and extend those blessings? When I think about my mom, I just think, wow. Wow, so much appreciation. When I think about Lori, again, this wow, so much investment in helping our kids to walk with God and all the serving and the sacrifice. Okay, are you thinking about all that? On the count of three, I want you to, if you want to give a rousing applause, if you want to shout out, I want the moms who are here and online to hear our appreciation right now on the count of three. One, two, three, let's go. Yes, yes. Uh, sincerely, we want every mom here and grandma here to know today how much they're appreciated. That we don't take them for granted. And one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is through the love and care. Of a mother. And so, with hearts of gratitude, we're glad to be together today, celebrate today, Mother's Day. We also have an opportunity for healing through prayer today. Our elders, we're thankful for our elders who are devoted, always serving our church family, praying for our church family. Today, as we do once a month, they're going to be at the end of the message at the front here, and you can come forward right out of James chapter 5, praying and also anointing with oil, prayers of healing, prayers for overcoming. If you're going through something right now, you need prayer. It's an honor that they can pray with you and pray for you. So be ready at the end of the message to come forward for prayer as we did at last service, as we do every month. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you brought a Bible, we're going through this book, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The message today is Overcoming Negativity overcoming negativity. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us, your provision. God, also the fresh vision that you continue to give into our lives. We thank you for our families. God, we pray that you would bless and strengthen mothers today, build them up today. God, that they would sense your presence and your peace today, your reassurance today, your affirmation today. And God, as we're in your word, we thank you that you're greater than the negativity we experience. And there's no limits to what you can do in the middle of that. Help us to agree and align with you, Jesus, and move by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. As you observe Jesus' life and you read through the Bible, one thing that you notice is that he was frequently surrounded by negativity. As Jesus was walking and talking, teaching and healing, there was negativity. During his ministry, I don't think anyone will ever face as much negativity as Jesus. So what can we learn from the Lord? How did he navigate through those situations? Are you facing any negativity recently? In the last year, the last month? Anyone taking a shot at you, throwing the shade, undermining you, criticizing you? Are you facing any of that? And how do you respond, not if that happens, but when that happens? Today, we're gonna highlight three actions we can take. And this is a better option than just being surprised and rattled. It's a better option than being discouraged. It's a better option than carrying resentment. It's a better option than quitting and giving up, which are all real temptations when there's negativity. But instead, three actions that jump out from this text, and we can do these three things together. The first one, get connected and committed To the positivity of Jesus. Abide with Jesus. When I say the positivity of Jesus, I'm talking about the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the benevolence of Jesus. You've got to get connected with Jesus on a deeper level than the level of negativity that's coming. Let's take a look in chapter 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you approved yourselves... Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given to you. We notice a chain right here. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a chain that's countercultural. Here's the chain first of all, it starts with God, He is our source. God provides, and with that provision, we have gratitude. You think about how much God has brought into your life, the people, the finances, the gifts and abilities you receive from the Lord, and with generosity and gratitude, then you start to bless other people. You're blessed to be a blessing. As you bless other people, they're going to have thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is going to start to swell up. And as a situation here, there were people in Jerusalem that didn't have much money. But the other churches around the regions reached into their pockets, gathered the money, built up, gave this gift. And now the people in Jerusalem aren't just giving thanks, but their needs are met. Moving forward, their needs are met, which then increases as they praise the Lord. And they're praising God, and then they circle back and pray for the people who gave the gift, And that's the chain. You say, How did God work then? It's the same way He works now. God provides for you, gratitude, generosity, thanksgiving grows, needs are met, praise increases. Then there's thanks, gets returned, people praying for you, and the Jesus community. Do you see how God works there? It's the exact opposite that what happens sometimes in families, churches, and community where there's an undermining, there's a stinginess. Then there's a complaining, then there's a cutting down, then there's a distancing, and then there's an unforgiveness, and then we got a big mess. And it can go one of two ways. And what Paul is doing is celebrating in Corinth their growth. And it all comes from Jesus. Jesus faced death, and he has a resurrection life that's greater than the death. Jesus faced discouragement at times, but then Jesus encouraged others Jesus faced darkness, and he had a light that's greater than the darkness. Whatever comes at him in terms of negativity, he has something greater than what he's facing. And so we need to abide with Jesus, and Jesus provides for us in what is often a me-centered, selfish, and greedy world. God equips and empowers us to have a consistent, unselfish love. And that's when I think of mothers, a consistent, unselfish love we're just celebrating rosalie's story 57 grandkids and one on the way and and the influence that mothers have similarly churches have an influence in the bible churches are called ladies and what an influence a church can have blessing locally and blessing globally as well now the conclusion in verse 15 in this chapter says thanks be to god for his indescribable gift If you said, I'm going to describe what I have in Jesus, you couldn't fully describe it. It's beyond what anyone can describe. Jesus is our source, our strength, and our song. Say those three things together. Jesus is our source, our strength, and our song. If, Mom, things are difficult right now, Jesus will be your source, he will be your strength, and he will be your song. And that was true then and it's true today. David realized it in the middle of the negativity. David had a military coming after him, an army. He had foreign nations coming after him. He had his own family trying to kill him. He went through so much negativity. And this is where he landed in Psalm 59. He says, I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. Oh my strengths, I sing praise to you. You, O oh God, are my fortress and my loving God. He is saying, in the middle of the negativity, God, you are my source, my strength and my song. I will declare it, I'm going to rely on you, I'm going to connect with you, and your positivity, power and love, is greater than the negativity I have around me. When you walk with Jesus and grow in your faith, you're going to see His power, that in the middle of the negativity, He's going to help you to stand and bless other people. You're going to bless other people in the middle of the negativity. Not after it's all gone. In the middle of it, you're going to stand like the Lord and bless. I think of our international partners who are living this way. Our church family is right here in this room, online, overseas. We are connected with our international partners. Over 40 of them, over half of them came from our church, raised up, and sent out. Here's three glimpses talking about abiding with Jesus, bearing fruit. In the middle of challenges, David Chung just returned from Nepal. The chairman of the National Churches Fellowship of Nepal made this comment as there's been food sent through the ministry. Food has been sent from here. And the comment is, thank you so much for sending us food. Thousands of families in Nepal did not die because of the food. Did not die. There's people starving around the world right now, but together, in the middle of those challenges, we can bring the hope of God and provide food for people. Skip Sorensen in Uganda, and I've lived in Africa. Uh, Sometimes the gospel is spread widely in Africa, but there isn't the same Bible teaching that we have here in America and some of the resources. Skip Sorensen, one of our national partners in Uganda, he invites people to come to the Bible college where he teaches And it's clear. Students who don't know Jesus, they come to the Bible college. And they come to know Jesus, faith alone in Christ alone. They start this relationship with God. And then he develops, disciples them, goes deep in the word. He says, I'm enthused about a young man named Gerard, who I helped train several years ago. Now Gerard has started a training program in a nearby town. He asked me to come assist him in the training. And it's a joy to see one of these men I worked with, Gerard, now training so many other Ugandans. And that's God's plan for America and Uganda, is that you receive, you make a disciple, you empower other people, you pass it along, and then they pass it along to someone else. And now look what's happening in Uganda and the revival that's happening there. And then i also share from James and Lois Hafford. And they were traveling recently. They arrived in Cyprus. Would you agree that sometimes travel gets challenging? You know, you're not in the comfort zone when you travel. Well, this is what he was going through on the trip. First of all, the suitcase didn't show up. If you had that, you arrive, but the suitcase doesn't. And then second, the shuttle driver who was going to pick him up did not have his contact name. So didn't know, right, which one he is, who to pick up. Finally, they connected, and then that driver drove super fast the whole way. He doesn't say how many miles per hour. He just says, super fast. Have you ever been in another country where it didn't appear to be too many regulations with driving in terms of speed limit and lanes? And then he said, I couldn't speak any Turkish, so it was impossible to talk with him. And you imagine sitting in that situation and then trying to go to bed, And he said, at 1 o'clock in the morning, he was hungry, he went downstairs, and virtually no one was around except this one guy, John. And to make a long story short, they started a conversation. John was interested in Jesus. And as James shared with him, John was ready to take that step to follow the Lord. At 1 a.m. in a hotel, John prayed, began a relationship with Jesus. Now please pray for John as he is in an environment where there can be so much hostility for someone who just starts to follow Jesus. And when you think about that, what could have been complaining about the suitcase, the ride, hungry, like all of this, what was, what was the approach? Who can I bless? Who can I bless? Because when you abide with Jesus in the middle of the challenges, you can bless people beyond what you can imagine. That's how Jesus lives. And when we abide with him, the same things are gonna happen. Now, That's a starting point, get connected, abide with Jesus. Here's the second part, and it gets more specific, and this is growing. Grow up in your thinking as you align with God. Now let's uh, take a look at chapter 10, starting in verse 1. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ." It's strong. It's strong. That's right. Let's do that together. Now, there's a shift. There was generosity at the end of chapter 9, and then now we have a lot of negativity. Sometimes when you're most generous, you think, oh, it's going to be most appreciated. Doesn't always play out that way. You might be most generous and serve and get nothing back but negativity, so there's a picture of reality here. And what's happening to Paul as he describes it is there's a group of people who are trying to take him down and undermine him. Have you ever had people that talked about you when you weren't around, criticized you, slandered you, tried to distort and take down your name, your image, your reputation? What they're saying to the church in Corinth is that Paul is bold in his letters, but he's timid in person. Timid is never a compliment. Bible says very clearly, God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power in love. They say, oh, Paul's so timid. He's not a good leader. Don't, don't even trust him. You can't trust his character, his message. In verse 10, we get another glimpse of what they're saying about Paul. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he's unimpressive. And his speaking amounts to nothing. You can't trust him, his character, his calling, his gifts, and his speaking. He's unimpressive. And what what I would say regarding that teaching side of things is that you really, you still hear that, I think, in every church. If I was going to talk to a young preacher coming out of seminary, I would say, don't try to please everybody because there's always going to be people in the church who say they don't like your teaching. Always going to be there. So, I've been in churches where I've served, and I've been under different pastors, and honestly, there's some pastors where I flourished, and I was on the edge of my seat every sermon, taking tons of notes. And then there's other pastors I've served under that were solid, but just didn't have the same connection in that same way. Well, what I had to learn and train myself is that uh, I need to listen to the Word, is this pastor speaking in love and truth? Okay, if it is, then I'm gonna shift out of criticism mode, like, oh, I'll give him a C plus today, and I'm gonna say, what is God saying to me through the word, and then am I doing it? Because ultimately, I'm not responsible when I come before God to criticize all the speakers. I'm responsible to what I've heard. I'm gonna put into action and do And so I know that spot of sitting in and having to listen. I totally understand. Every pastor doesn't serve up the meal just how people like it. Some people like a few more of these and a few less of these and a little more spice here and a little less spice there. And it's just like a restaurant, right? So, you know, there's different meals. Paul is preaching, and there's a lot of talk around Corinth. Oh, his teaching? Weak sauce. Wasting your time. Won't get anything out of it. Now, he's not like the other teachers. Don't listen to him. And that was the buzz around the church. You think that ever happens today around a church? Uh, that was the buzz of What I would say to a young preacher is just preach the word and trust God with results. Love the people, preach the word, trust God with the results. And then do it as the Spirit leads you uh, to different passages as well. Well, have you ever had someone take a shot at your character, your motives, or your potential? What is that like? Here's three sources. Think about communication in negativity. First, there's the devil, who's an accuser of the brothers and sisters. The devil is an accuser, wants to tell you you're not gifted enough, you're not good enough, you are not special, you are not loved, you don't have a great future, all the doors are closed, you missed your greatest opportunities, nothing's there ahead, and don't listen to those old tapes. Don't listen to those messages. He's an accuser, not to build up. He tries to take down. There's a second source, and that's the voice of other people. And maybe someone told you. Maybe it was a parent or a friend, and it hurt, and they said something that was so negative, not from God, and it's still impacting you today. Or sometimes it's self-talk, because we talk to ourselves, right? And what we say to ourselves is very important. And some of us are so hard on ourselves We just carry around guilt and shame and just keep repeating that message over and over again. And in all three areas, we want to listen to God, not the devil, not the negativity of other people, not our negative self-talk. And that's a major shift. There's triggers that happen with negativity, and there's a range of them. Some of the comments that come in, there's going to be more truth, some there's going to be less truth. Some people bring it really maliciously. Some might bring something small, some bring medium, some bring 2XL in their comments. Sometimes we just perceive it more than it's really there. It's not really there, but we still feel it because we think that's what we're hearing. Sometimes the timing of the negativity will come when everything's going well, and you're just trying to celebrate, and someone throws one in there, and sometimes it'll come when you're at your low points, and they'll kick you when you're down. It's not if the negativity comes, it's when it comes. So what are we going to do? We have an opportunity in all of those situations to have a mindset the mind of Christ, what does that actually look like? Because I believe the reaction in the battle is between our ears and it's in the mind. What's the best thing that we can have in our mind? It's the Word of God. The Word of God is a sword, it's a weapon in this world, in this culture of lies, in this anti-biblical culture, this more and more postmodern culture. You need the Word of God in your mind. And when the negativity comes or the lies come, the discouragement comes, my question to you would be what's your verse? What's your verse? If the devil showed up, and he did, and Jesus had a conversation with the devil, and he did, and the devil tried to discourage, tempt Jesus, and he did, what did Jesus do? Pick the verse. Second time, pick the verse. Third time, pick the verse. What's your verse? I like to ask people. You got some negativity? Because everyone will talk about their negativity. So then I say, well, what's your verse? Do you have a verse? Well, I read the Bible once in a while. Read the Bible once in a while is good, but it's not going to get you through this negativity, this battle. So what's your verse? Pick a verse. Now, here's a verse. This is David going back to Psalm 27, verse 12. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses they rise up against me. They're breathing out violence. Here's his verse. This is a good verse if you don't have a verse. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And here's his self talk wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Get a verse, get a verse. Pick it today, write it down, memorize it, get a verse for the negativity. We take down strongholds, we take down lies with the word of God and then also pray because we got feelings. No matter how spiritual you are, it hurts when someone slanders your name, it hurts. So what are we gonna do with that? I've heard it said, feelings, you don't wanna give them the steering wheel so they drive your life. You also don't wanna put them in the trunk and stuff them and pretend like they're not there. They're here, so what are we gonna do with those? We're gonna invite God in. Feelings drive us to God. They they remind us of our need for God. When I feel worried, it drives me to God. I need God's peace, right? Feelings can drive us to God. They drive us to the Lord, and we pray. We pray, not that we're gonna surprise God, he doesn't know, but we pray and God starts to change us in our thoughts, in our healing, God starts to move. I say the power of the second thought. This is what Paul said, such a key to the Philippians chapter four, verse eight. This is what you need to do. You think in your mind, you choose the thought. You have intentionally, not the first thought, the second thought, what's true, what's noble, what's right. Is that what you're thinking about during the day? What's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable? Is that what you're thinking about? What's excellent? what's praiseworthy. That's what you think But No one can force you to get rid of those thoughts. You choose those thoughts. It's that retraining, intentional part of the mind. You say, well, what would happen if I don't? What would happen if I just dive into the negativity, no prayer, no Bible verse, and I'm just in there? This is what's gonna happen. The temptation to quit is gonna increase. The temptation to doubt God and your gifting and calling, it's gonna increase Insecurity is going to run wild. Without the word of God and prayer and abiding, you're going to start to feel more hopeless, more passive, more silenced, and more likely to carry a grudge and resentment. Do you know how many people carry grudges? Sometimes I listen to people and I just want to say, that was five years ago. And I can hear the resentment all over your voice. Five years ago. Sometimes I've been with people at the end of their lives, and there's resentment in their spirit. And I think, that happened decades ago. You're still carrying that? Uh, So God has a better way than that. And you say, what does that mean? Take every thought captive, obedient to Christ. Well, let's go back to Jesus. Here's three things. One, are you fully forgiven by God through Jesus? Can I get a yes or no? Are you fully, fully forgiven by God through Jesus? Yes. So then fully forgive the other person. Fully. You don't fully forgive, you're not gonna have full peace, full joy. You won't. Fully forgive. It's a clear command in scripture. It's a starting point for healing. If you don't hit that first step, you're probably not gonna hit the next steps. So it's gonna bless you, bless the other person, blessed, it's going to glorify God, and God has the final say. He'll sort it out. Vengeance is his. So don't carry that. That's the first part. Fully forgive. Second, did Jesus pray for the people who treated him the worst? On the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. A habit, when someone brings negativity, pray for them. Pray they would repent, pray they would mature, pray they would see things clearly, pray they would change, pray they would receive more of God's love, pray there'd be healing in their life. Start to pray for them. Here's a third thing Jesus did. Did Jesus love? Did he love people who mistreated him? Love people with limits. It's a whole nother study, but when Jesus loves people, He doesn't love everyone the same way with the same expression. He sets limits with his time. He doesn't give everyone the same amount of time. He doesn't give everyone the same amount of availability. He doesn't do the same miracles in the different places where they reject him. He doesn't do some of the miracles there. And he has more distance from some people than others. It's love with limits. Forgive everyone fully pray for people mistreat you in love with limits all of this is like jesus all of this helps us with our mind to move past lazy thinking selfish thinking immature thinking destructive thinking small thinking insecure thinking don't you get tired of that kind of thinking don't you want to move past that and grow in our mindset the mind of christ You know, I was on a trip to Atlanta this week for a conference, and we hit some turbulence. The pilot announced it. He said, turbulence is coming up in a few minutes. Everybody sit down. Everybody get your seatbelt on. And we hit the turbulence, and the plane was shaking. Have Have you hit turbulence before where the plane is shifting and moving around? And he said, I'm going to go slower, I'm going to go lower, I'm going to go lower than that. And, and he was announcing what he's doing to let you know that he's aware of the turbulence and he's trying to find some relief. So the, the plane is bouncing and shifting around. Now, I woke up that morning, have you ever slept on your neck and it just you woke up in the morning and there was pain in the neck? You ever done that one? You don't know where it came from, but you wake up and it's definitely there. So I've got pain in my neck that morning, pain in my back, and I'm saying, this is the start of the trip? Like, I here we go. This is traveling. And what happened in the turbulence as the plane is moving and shifting is, you know, things are bouncing around. And all of a sudden I hear, Bop! and there's this snap back there. And you know what? Everything's in its right place. <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not. The plane was freaking out, and I'm praising God for a miracle. I don't need the chiropractor. I just need the plane. A little lower. that pilot did so well, and my trip felt all right again. And and I'm telling you, when you're in the middle of the storm and the negativity, that might be the exact context that God uses to shift the shift you need in your mind to align with heaven and get things back where they need to be. Abide with Jesus, mental health, clarity, the word of God. Get your verse as you go through it. And when that happens, this is the overflow. Galvanize people to live for God and gain new victories. Look at this context in verse 9. Again, uh, chapter 9, verse 12. Paul is, uh, chapter 10, verse 12, I'll get it the third time, doesn't always easy, first time, Uh, but he says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. Sometimes you're going to be in a culture where there's a lot of boasting, comparing, envying, jealousy, and a lot of self-righteousness. And you're going to be like, get me out of here. That's what Paul was going through. And that was some of the negativity he faced. Here's a reminder. The greater the negativity, it's probably because the greater the calling. When God calls you to a great work, the challenges are often greater. If you're thinking God's going to call you to something great and it's going to be even easier, it doesn't play out that way very often. The greater the, when Moses is called to lead the people out of slavery, he's going to confront the negativity of Pharaoh ten times. When you think about the battles of Esther, Queen, she's got to face Haman, uh, and all the people are going to face. You know, they're on the verge of being wiped out, the Jews right then. It's not gonna be easy to overcome that. Joseph overcomes the negativity of his family and then Potiphar and his wife thrown in prison with injustice. Nehemiah, Sanballat, and Tobiah. I mean, there's names on it in the Bible. Uh, The 12, negativity, they're all gonna be killed except John. Jesus, look at the Bible again. Look at the negativity he navigates and how he does it, and then rely on him. Uh, this is the overcoming, and this is Paul's heart. The chapter ends with this, so that um, we can preach the gospel, because it says, Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done for others. Our hope, he's talking to the Corinthians, as your faith continues to grow, and then our, our activity among you, it's going to greatly expand. The ministry is going to grow so that we can preach then the gospel to the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done by another man's territory, but let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Two things he's going to do in the negativity. He's going to build up the church, and he's going to reach more people with the gospel around the world. When the negativity comes, build up people. Build up people and then reach people with the love of Jesus who don't know God. Paul says, that's where I'm going to land. That's what I'm going to do. In terms of boasting, he quotes Jeremiah chapter 9. Let not the wise man boast about his wisdom. The strong man boast about his strength. Don't let the rich man boast about his riches. But if anyone's going to boast, boast about this. Boast about the Lord. What does that mean? That means don't be silent about the goodness of God. Don't be silent about what God has done in your life. Don't be silent about the stories, what God has delivered you from, how he's provided in the midnight hour, how he's answered prayer, boast in the Lord. I went on a trip. I said to Atlanta, and I'll tell you, traveling with crutches and a boot is not that fun. Uh, You know, I thought, how am I going to navigate? Should I even go on the trip? But I, I knew prayerfully I was supposed to go on the trip. And what it required is wheelchair assistance because... There's no way I can have a backpack, pull along the luggage, and do the crutches at the same time. Wheelchair. This means that for about 20 to 25 minutes, someone is going to push me around the airport to get to the plane. And then do that again after the plane lands. The people who are pushing me, some of them, I feel like they're about half my size and half my weight. (laughs) And I can't tell you how humbling that is to sit in a wheelchair... And, and I'm grabbing railings going up because there's some steep ramps. And I'm just grabbing the railing, trying to do whatever I can to contribute towards the effort to get us up the ramp. It's like, I don't know who's picking the people, but they got the job done. <laughs> 25 minutes, and I'll tell you what happened on the first one Jesus conversation. And then on the second one, another Jesus conversation. Not just the first words, but getting to know each other, 25 minutes together. And it just led to conversations about Jesus. And then the third one, and then the fourth one. It turned out on this trip, about 10. Because what happens, the first two, you're like, wow, what's happening here? And then third or fourth, you're like, God's doing something. And then you realize, I'm not just on a trip to get to Atlanta. God has some things lined up. By seven or eight, you're really having fun. And by nine or ten, it feels like revival's happening on the trip. (laughs) And, uh, you, you know, in the airport, the last one, I just said, can I pray with you? And, and he, he just kind of looked around like, this never happens. <laughs> and, and, and then he did, he did one of these. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that. So, so we prayed together. don't know if I'll ever see him again. God was moving. And, you know, there, I had to receive. But, but here's the, the thing. How can we bless people? Here's the key. What can you do for people this week, not get from people? this week? What can you do for people this week, not get from people this week? And Paul and Jesus, in the middle of their negativity, continue to bless people. What can I do for people? Here's a couple quotes, because I think about moms, and I think about for and not from. Andy Stanley said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something you do, but someone you raise. Maybe not something you do that's action oriented, but someone you pour your life into. Jen Wilkin says the Christian mom doesn't love Jesus. Instead of loving her children, she loves Jesus by loving her children. And C.S. Lewis says children are not a distraction from more important work, they are the most important work. And you think about what's happening here in the conclusion of the last verse. Uh, For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom God commends. In the middle of the negativity, abide with Jesus. Let him renew your mind with the word of God. Let's have a healthy mind of Christ going through this. And when that happens, there's going to be an overflow that builds up people, builds up the church, and brings the gospel. This, for Paul, it was the Roman Empire, Spain. There's no limits to what God can do in the middle of the negativity. For God, with God, glorify God. Don't have to wait until the negativity ends. God is a healer, and God also empowers us to overcome evil with good, empowered. I'm gonna invite the elders to come forward right now and the worship team, And in this last song, there's an opportunity to come forward for prayer. Prayers for healing. Prayers for overcoming. Maybe you're in some negative situations and you know you need God's help. This is a house of prayer for all nations. There's no shame in coming forward. God is moving powerfully through prayers. And we're honoring God through his word. God says, have the elders come forward with oil. They will just ask you what you want prayer for, anoint you with oil, and pray over you. And we've seen so many healings, so many lives transformed through this. So let's stand up to worship the Lord. Let's stand up together as we worship God. Father God, move in power right now with healing, with hope, God. The negativity we've been in the middle of, God. Renew our minds. We seek you, Jesus. Bring bring your strength in our weakness today. Strengthen mothers today. Move through these prayers right now. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. Amen.